Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 28. So guys, today we uh, all watched the Apple TV announcement, as well as I guess you could call the Apple phone. Really? Do you guys really care about the phone much? There's some interesting stuff there, I think. There's some new gestures and kind of shortcut context sensitive menu type of things that uh, developers are probably going to have to put some thought to. Yeah, it's not enough to make me ditch my 6, but if I was still on my 5S, I would have done it. I think I'll be saving my money for the iPad Pro first. Interesting. Well, you've hit every single announcement except for one <laughs> so far. So I guess we're done with the podcast. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> well, maybe okay. maybe we should start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, well, there's new Apple Watch stuff. That was. They started off small. Literally, yeah. I guess. But I don't, I'm glad small. they didn't spend too much time rehashing the watch. If I would have had to watch a video of how that rose rose gold aluminum was made, I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. I was kind of half expecting to see demos from developers, but it was a a full two hours packed with new hardware updates that, uh, you know, more than, than we typically get in one event. There were some cool, cool watch app demos, though. I like the um, landing strip. Was it called airstrip? Airstrip one. That was pretty neat. Where the like the doctors could listen in on the heartbeats of the the fetal heartbeats of the pregnant mothers. That was kind of neat. Both of the Alexes were actually watching at the same location on our keynote cut out at that point. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. we heard it was cool. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it was impressive. But it, I mean, it, watch OS two. The GM is here. Yeah. Which I, I'm excited about. It's actually literally installing on my watch as I speak. Oh, I hope your Skype bandwidth doesn't cut out. Oh, the, it's already on there. It's doing the thing where it reboots now. Oh, it should like, be done in about half an hour. Yeah, probably. Hmm. It's sitting over to the side. Anyways, um, yeah, it seems like it was just like, hey, let's remind you, the watch is still here. And we have the the same colors that people wanted from the beginning for watch bands and stuff now. It's kind of what <laughs> so, I've gotten out of it. Sensible band colors. Yeah, I guess maybe we're past the spring season and so the pastel colors are out. Now Now we have the normal colors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how this yeah. fashion stuff works, but... Well, you, you can't wear your white, white watch band after Labor Day, I think. It's one of the rules. Yeah. Tell that to my wife. Uh-oh. <laughs> Although... Kind of a random tangent. Uh, there's lots of good, cheap uh, third-party watch bands that have been cropping up in the past couple months. And we've gotten a bunch at my house. And they're they're all decent quality and costs like half as much as even like a Apple Watch sport band. So it's a lot easier to, to wear your, your watch out and, and coordinate... Just like uh, Eddie Q did. My wife, I actually, during the keynote, was texting me and was commenting on Eddie Q's uh, red watch matching his shirt. He was, she was like, you should do that more often. <laughs> <laughs> she said, hey, 
So his wife probably dresses him. Yeah. No, I said that's that's an Eddie Q trait. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has quite a fashion sense. So. Oh yeah, the uh, that red shirt with those cuffs on the collars were. Yeah. But yeah, we don't need to talk about Eddie Q that much. We already bashed him in our last Apple keynotes. Hey, I'm not saying it's bad. The man can dress. <laughs> yeah, this is true. And he can dance. Yeah. <laughs> but the Apple Watch wasn't even one of the most interesting things. Uh, I guess the next thing they talked about was the iPad Pro. And it seemed like you're interested in that, Sam. Why don't you give us a quick recap of what, what that's all about? Well, the iPad Pro is a much bigger uh, surface. tab. <laughs> it's not really a surface, but it's a much bigger screen. Although it bears many resemblances <laughs> to a Surface. Yeah, you can get the $100 plus keyboard to go with it. and it'll, I don't know if it'll make the same like snapping, clicking noise that the Surface Pro makes when you put the keyboard <laughs> on it. But uh, We actually had a... We still have our uh, iPad 1 at the office. And I wanted to reminisce about how heavy that thing was. And yeah, it's a solid piece of metal. And so this new iPad Pro... That does weigh slightly, much, slightly more than the original iPad. It's going to be a beast. And there's probably going to be some people with ending up with concussions if they're reading it, holding it over their heads in bed. Well, but the it, the weight's spread out a lot more, so I'm guessing it doesn't feel like it's as heavy. Maybe I could be wrong, but well, I mean, a pound and a half is still a pound and a half, even if the weight's distributed. Yeah, we'll we'll but, have to see about that one. Um, I remember the three would my hand would cramp up while holding that thing. That one weighed even more, didn't it? I I don't know. It was it was definitely a heavy one. Quick Google. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the the new iPad Pro. It's got a new processor, the A nine X. I believe it was. Yep. And it seems like it's going to compete in the desktop realm. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Because it's priced a little bit under what a MacBook would be priced at. But yet they're in two different families, but now the overlap is a lot greater. Yeah, it definitely makes the iPad more capable of a content creation platform. I mean, the iPad was okay, but now with the keyboard and the stylus, you know, it's and multitasking, it's a fairly practical platform for for creative work. You know, whether it's documents, like spreadsheets, uh, the Adobe demo with a workflow that spanned three different apps was was very well done. And, and made it seem very practical to be able to create content quickly and easily using these features in that platform. Yeah, I've tried to do content creation in the past with my iPad. And yeah, it works all right. You, I think you have to work a lot harder at it. I mean, Pages yeah. is pretty much unusable without a keyboard, for instance. Yeah. So can you see yourself on an airplane working on an iPad Pro with the keyboard? I had to be in like the comfort class to hold the thing. Well, compared to a a um, 
MacBook Air or the new MacBook. And it's yeah. probably a reasonable replacement for for traveling. I mean, you still don't have Xcode on there, but maybe creating next documents, year. creating illustrations, working with creative tools. You know, I I, I thought it was great that Apple had Adobe and Microsoft up there to really really hone in on that professional market. You know, that's what the enterprises and creative professionals are, are looking for is those desktop quality apps that they can use on an iPad. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely could understand Adobe going up there, but were you guys sitting around scratching your heads when they called up Microsoft? Yeah, there were a lot of uh, odd glances. We had about <laughs> a little over 20 people in the room with us watching and a lot of odd looks on people's faces wondering, you know, are they joking? Are they serious? You know, why, you know, why aren't they demoing their own productivity app? They had some line about who knows productivity better than Microsoft. <laughs> and that, that seemed kind of like an odd thing to say, but for the vast majority of, I'll call them the normals, uh, office is still how they think of getting work done. So, I think it makes sense to kind of show that you can do the real content creation like we were talking about earlier. In a way, it's kind of a uh, left-handed compliment because they're going to say who knows productivity more than Microsoft, but they're really defining who their opponent is. They're saying these guys know productivity, but that's about it. Don't worry about their OS. That's what political candidates do in races all the time yeah they they draw a box around where their candidates sit or where their competitors sit and i I think to some degree that's true but i i've also been in conversations with executives at large companies that you know in speaking about the ipad they all carried them around but they did not take it serious as a a productivity tool because they couldn't use microsoft excel or anything equivalent in an efficient way. You know, they felt like they had to go to a laptop to do any real work. And I, I think having Microsoft there definitely helped probably address that particular concern with that target audience of the the enterprise professional. Well, it's and definitely they addressed the to... creative professional. It's definitely a good way to get it front and center. It's not like Office hasn't been out on iOS for a while now. Right. Well, and the demos all looked really good. I mean, the Adobe demos and the Microsoft demos, they all looked really good. Uh, Real quick, the real-time follow-up, the third-gen iPad was like a tenth of a pound lighter than the first-gen iPad. So it was Hmm. even even lighter. Uh, But but back to the iPad Pro, um, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting was not only the introduction of uh one accessory but but two they had the the keyboard and they also had uh the apple pencil which a couple people who are next to me kind of commented it seems like an onion video about apple the <laughs> apple pencil really what what is your guys take on that i think it was a bit of a shock did you know this is a company that 
you know, Steve Jobs specifically said, you know, if you have to use a stylus, you failed. You you have ten of them on your hands, so why do you need a stylus? So this is a, a bit of a reverse of opinion here, but I can definitely see where having that level of precision can make a difference with certain types of applications. Well, and, you can only paint with your fingers so much. Yeah, and and I I'll be honest, I want one. You want an Apple Pencil? Yeah, and I want an iPad Pro. Use with these drawing apps that have a lot of power in them, but um, you know we've been looking at Wacom tablets, and and the iPad Pro arguably is a better alternative for some use cases, anyway. Yeah. Well, I think a Wacom tablet's a much cheaper option than the iPad Pro. Not if you look at like a Cintiq, where you're, where you have a, a display that you're drawing on, so it's very obvious what, you know, you it's a better interaction because you're drawing on the picture as opposed to drawing on a a tablet that is kind of a, a remote abstract concept to the screen that you're actually drawing on. So I, I think it's a probably a better experience. If you look at the Cintiq models from Wacom, and they're, they're a similar price point. They have a 27-inch one that's a little over twice, and they run a full version of Windows on it, which yeah. also means you can run a full version of Photoshop. So we still don't have that on the iPad Pro. I was kind of hoping Adobe would announce something closer to a full version of Photoshop for the iPad, but I think we're going to have to wait for that. It seems like they've tried to break it up into like little Photoshop-y utilities. Yeah, maybe we'll get full Photoshop, but I, I wonder if they're just trying to take a different approach. Yeah, well, Photoshop's a beast. It's a really yeah. big app. That's very resource intensive, and I have to imagine par paring it down to work on an iPad. And I think up till now, it didn't really make sense to have a full-featured Photoshop on an iPad. I think it it addressed maybe specific use cases in your creative workflow, but not necessarily your your primary creative platform. But Arguably, if it if if it is desktop class hardware, then you know maybe we'll see a more full featured version of Photoshop on on the iPad. Maybe not a hundred percent to what the desktop is, but closer. And there's some really great drawing apps that have a lot of the key features that you would look for from something like Photoshop or Sketch or affinity designer they're probably working with the xcode team and porting photoshop to ux kit and then we'll see it next fall yeah. when we get well, xcode they... <clears throat> when we get xcode and everything on in ios 10 at the i think it was the wwdc keynote event they had ported illustrator and i think photoshop to metal so they've already made some some moves in in the direction of cross-platform support and and better performance on 
lower end processors. Well, metal's not just for lower end either. No, I mean, no, metal's I just on it's Mac OS ten. Yeah, I, well, I mean, you know, in terms of efficiency, so it can do more with less. Mm-hmm. Well, it just does it more efficiently. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't that long ago that you know Photoshop was. I had trouble, you know, with my desktop hardware keeping up with Photoshop. So I still typically max out my computers on RAM just to make it easier to work with that and Xcode and things like that. There were definitely some comments in in our group about Xcode on the iPad Pro. And there's been rumors or wishful thinking of Xcode on the iPad. I don't know if that'll ever <laughs> happen. I don't know if I'd like that or not. Yeah, well, compiling languages does take up a lot of RAM. Yeah. And did they say what the RAM was on the Pro? I'm assuming more than two gigs. Well, they're usually pretty quiet about that kind of stuff. Definitely not in a keynote. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't give any specifics on on that stuff for the phone either, because. The rumor has been that the phone goes up to two gig. I'm not sure if it's both or just one, but yeah. And then the pro seems like that would either probably go up to four. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, if they're editing 4k videos on these devices, I would imagine it's not a small amount of Ram. Well, I did have one more, one more question on your guys thoughts on the uh, iPad pro. So what do you think this is going to do? for for your apps are you guys going to be doing anything different uh are you expecting your clients to want anything different or your product managers or anything like that are there any are there new apis or is it see i was i was thinking if we got the ipad pro there'd be some new api that like showcases this this new form factor almost but it seems like it's just oh yeah it's just a bigger bigger ipad yeah, I mean, I suppose you could work better with the stylus. I'm sure there's API around that. Yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't call it a stylus. I, I think there was a comment about an API, right? you know, developers working with it to take advantage of it. Is there any, like, other than the, the Apple Pencil input, is there anything else that that we know about yet? Well, you know, size classes now have changed a little bit, I'm guessing. I'm guessing in... Landscape, well, yeah, they've been screen. they've been telescoping the large side class for a while since an iPad was just regular. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So you think we'll have a large? I definitely think split view. You're going to have regular, regular. Yeah. When it's fifty fifty, or you know, before it was compact, compact. But like yeah. a a full screen iPad Pro app, it's got to be large, large though. I I haven't actually fired up the new beta yet. I'm still installing it, but. I would I I would imagine you're right. I don't know. Have you looked? I have not looked. I've only played around with the uh the Apple TV stuff ever so slightly. Well, yeah. So then, then we did have that other product, the long rumored product. It's they finally, finally didn't, here. <laughs> they finally didn't troll us. This is awesome. Yeah. It's like it's like Lucy letting Charlie Brown hit the football. Yeah, we finally got the football. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So do you think So are you happy with what they announced? Did it meet your expectations? Well, I haven't dug deep into it at all yet, but yeah. and of course we're talking it, about the the new Apple TV, the long right weighted 
long-anticipated new product, new update to the Apple TV. I mean, my expectations were kind of tempered somewhat by all the leaks. Like, I knew there wasn't yeah. going to be the new content service, which would be really cool. Uh, you know, when, whenever they get that that together as a consumer, that that sounds really awesome to me. I mean, from a technical standpoint, it's about what I what I expected. Uh, you know, I'm kind of bummed about the lack of 4K. But that means that my TVs are all good right now, and I just have to buy a new <laughs> Apple TV. So, yeah, you don't have to rush out and buy new. Yeah. Have you confirmed the lack of 4K? Because I there was some folks in the room thought they heard them say that it was 4K. Really? I don't recall it being mentioned. I'm assuming the fact that it's an A8 processor is going to automatically limit it to 4K, but I. I could be wrong. We'll have to check yeah, into most that of us didn't hear time. that, but there was one person who thought they heard that it was going to be 4K. It could be wishful thinking. Yeah. Yeah, if it's an A8, then, well, but the Air 2, that's got a pretty good screen. It's not 4K, but it's probably what? Like 1080p times 2? At least in pixel density. Are you talking about the iPad Pro? No, the, the the Air Two, which is the, well, the Air Two has an A8X though, that okay. has the better GPU. I'm looking at some sites right now that have kind of you know their comparison between the old Apple TV and the new one, and it still just lists 720p and 1080p is output resolution. I've got a 4K display, and my I did not get an option for a 4K uh, Apple TV or tvos sorry simulator uh when i was playing around in xcode so i'm 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 pretty sure it's just just 1080p which is still plenty good yeah can you imagine trying to to uh code against or or like do a storyboard with a 4k display yeah well that would give us like at 8x or something i don't know (laughs) but I mean, just looking at the stats, it's got a uh, one gig of RAM, so there's no way they're gonna try to push uh, 4K through that. Right. So it's really like a Air One then, stuck in a box. Something like that, yeah. Or like maybe a iPhone Six Plus would be a better thing because it actually has a 1080p display and then an A8 chip. Yeah. Okay. So- it's a gigantic iPhone 6 Plus. <laughs> Take that, Android guys. <laughs> Walk around with my 42-inch TV on my head. <laughs> In terms of like the navigation of the, of the Apple TV, it doesn't seem that different of an experience than what you have now. And you still have the same kind of organization. I, I think the big difference is the voice integration and the you know, kind of the AI behind it. So, you know, Siri and Apple is obviously making a big push in in this AI intuitive speech recognition data mining space. They're, they've got, supposedly have a big recruiting effort right now that hire more experts in AI. Well, and uh, it's hard to tell from the demos they did. Maybe we'll get some more as like people have tried it out, like, and we see some firsthand reports. But 
it almost seems like you can just kind of like the old Apple TV swipe like and go one one row at a time. It doesn't seem like it's more intuitive, like a touch remote, even though it has that like touch panel. Uh, I don't know if you guys got any other impression or if you've read or seen anything else related, related to that, because I'm kind of intrigued along those lines. They do. The documentation for the programming guide refer, talks about the top shelf, uh, which is sounds like it's kind of like the user's dock. So the, the apps that they use the most would be up on the top shelf. And I suppose in that sense, you can organize it your apps a little bit better. But you're in... well, I'm talking about like the touch input on the touchpad on the remote, though. Like what is it any better than an up, down, left, right? Or can you like, can it tell how fast you're swiping and things like that? Oh, oh. they did say something about if you swiped really fast, that it would go to the end of the row. Okay. And I guess thinking about it, the... If you use, it's kind of like the Apple TV remote app that does that more so than the physical remote with just the arrow keys. Because we were we were debating about about this uh, within my company actually, since we make card game apps, is there going to be a way to like slide back and forth between all of your cards if you were to put a card game app on the Apple TV, or is it like I have thirteen cards, I have to hit right thirteen times to go from the left to the right? Okay. Yeah, it seems like they solved that problem with the the fast swipe gesture. Yeah, and thinking about it now, like the current Apple TV, even if you use the remote app, you there's kind of a velocity to a swipe, so you can uh, swipe a bunch, and as you, especially as you wait for the Apple TV to catch up with your input, all of a sudden it'll like scroll to the different side and like all the way to the bottom of all your useless apps on your home screen. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I want to I want to try it out. It definitely looks like it's a more full-featured SDK than what runs in the watch. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was even watchOS 2 cuz that seems hampered and limited as well. But I think you know, we're actually going to be able to write games for this thing. There's full-on apps. You're not having to deal with some kind of weird storyboard proxy thing sock puppet as they call it yeah i mean you like you saw on the slide during the keynote they had ui kit listed as a, a feature and i was messing around with the with xcode earlier and if you create you can create a an apple tv uh game and you get a game view controller or something like that that inherits from ui view controller which i was like hooray <laughs> i know ui view controller this is awesome and it was actually using scene kit which is a it's a fairly powerful like 3D iOS API, but I mean, maybe my game will work like 80, 90 percent of the way there without me having to do anything, which is saying a lot more than than it did when I was porting it to to Mac OS 10. I guess just OS 10 <laughs> now. Sorry, I always get that wrong. Yeah. So, are you thinking that you'll have the uh, everybody using iPhones? And that'll be their, like, card hand. And then they'll just throw them out onto the table. That'll be displayed on the Apple TV. 
that's certainly a possibility, but that sounds like a lot more work than I want to put in, <laughs> at least uh, to see if people actually download apps on the Apple TV. So if, if we even do support Apple TV, I think it's going to be something more along the lines of you can just play the app with your remote or or whatever on the Apple TV, just one single player. Maybe you can play multiplayer online, but yeah, I, I don't think we the know enough to... They showed... Yeah, and the demos during the the keynote they didn't necessarily show anything beyond using the phone as an, as an additional remote so right. it'll be interesting to see what you can do in terms of integrating the phone experience with the tv well you can look at a lot of wii u games that use that gamepad yeah and things like legend of zelda they'll put the dungeon map on the main on the console screen or on the handheld screen yeah, although the technology behind that is a lot different than than the Apple TV, from what I can tell. Like, I'm pretty sure there's, like, a direct, like, a Wi-Fi connection that's not standard Wi-Fi between the gamepad and the Wii U, and that it literally streams from, from the Wii U. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely not a smart controller. It's... And we have we have something like that. Like now in iOS, we've had it for a couple releases where you can uh, basically create a second screen by airplane. You get a new UI window by, you know, airplane to your Apple TV. And that that's always seems like it's been kind of laggy. People have, I mean, people have done that before. Like I could have made a card game with four uh, kind of client apps where one person flung it to the Apple TV and they could all play and see what happens on the Apple TV. But right. Uh, there, yeah, we'll we'll have to see once I dig into this stuff some more what what's possible. There yeah, was some friction with getting that to work. You know, there was the whole Apple TV handshake, and then setting up multiplayer with multiple devices. You know, some and it always seems kind of buggy. Like, you know, every OS release it seems like getting AirPlay to work seamlessly was challenging. Oh, and there's still I, mean, I imagine there's some even just like inherent ui complexity from trying to do something something like that like selecting four people to somehow all join and play on one thing on apple tv even now that we have like a native apple tv sdk well you have the near field networking and that works out pretty well yeah i always found that was kind of kludgy to to use as a you like just as a user like you have to go into one and say, I'm waiting for people. And then all the people who are going to play have to go and say, all right, I want to join something. It's, it's not like, well, that's if you use their built-in view controllers, you can do that kind of stuff. The same kind of things behind the scenes. Yeah. But that, I mean, I, I, I've not seen something with a good UI that even that does custom stuff where it's like, wow, this is super easy. It's kind. Of, it's kind of like having to pair your Wii remotes every time you want to play the Wii. Yeah, you don't want to have to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, maybe there's something in in TVOS that that does this, but. Well, if you're inviting yeah, it, a bunch of friends over to your house and then you're going to play some kind of Apple TV game, they they're they're still going to have to pair, and all those people yeah. with the Android phones are going to be left out anyway. Well, we've I've got a bunch of test devices, so they can just use those if they, <laughs> if they need to. I think the analysts are 
really thinking that Apple is going after that console game market. Maybe the casual console, like a Wii, maybe not the Xbox, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I think their thought is you're going to use your device or a third-party game controller and, you know, over Bluetooth and just use it as a controller, not necessarily pair the devices. You know, Great, I can't wait for the- I can't wait for the first news story to hit where somebody threw their phone at the TV and broke both of them. <laughs> uh, it could happen. I mean, they've got a motion sensor in the in the um, Apple TV remote. I'm surprised there's not a wrist strap already. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I think I've heard from multiple sources that third-party game controllers should work with the Apple TV without a problem. Yeah, I, I it was kind of interesting. There's a couple apps that got updated just yesterday. Um, one one of them was the the Minecraft app that added game controller support. So hmm. I, I wonder if they were were in some secret alcove at Apple and they were like, "You're going to implement the game controller support so you can be on Apple TV," but maybe it didn't make the keynote because that was I mean they it was packed, but. It seems like just from a game development standpoint, and maybe you guys have experienced differently, but the, the game controller API has been around since iOS 8 or 7, and I've not seen like super wide adoption. Like all the all the big games definitely seem like they support it, but I'm not seeing lots of people going out and buying or even lots of reports of good quality game controllers. Well that's that's the thing. Those game controllers are expensive. And their build quality is horrible, but they're expensive too because Apple mandates certain types of switches to be used, and they don't give any kind of flexibility in there. And I've seen like there's been issues with game controllers where you get like you if you would have gotten an early game controller, uh, iOS eight like broke it, so you couldn't use it anymore. Oh really? Yeah, even Not though even... it like met all of Apple's standards, so it's kind of like the Wild West still. I'm I feel like if Apple really wanted the game controller stuff to work, that they would have done something uh, more, like released a like a reference controller or bundled one with Apple TV. And, and like you said, Sam, they're super expensive. It's like forty or fifty bucks if you want to get one of these like recent ones. Which that's, I mean, that you might as well get an Xbox One or a PS4 at that point. What? Yeah, I remember the first ones coming out, and they were around a hundred dollars. Yeah, they've gotten they a little had, cheaper, but not much. They all had battery packs too, which didn't help with the cost. Yeah. Well, speaking of cost, you know, if they are going against these consoles like the Xbox and the Wii, you know, are we going to see higher price points on on iOS games, considering? Your average Xbox game is probably about $65. Wii is probably about 50 give or take. So are we going to see high-priced games now for the Apple TV? Or are we going to have premium games still? Well, I think the average iOS user has been conditioned to do the pay-to-play model. So in-app purchases all the way, consumable coins, and whatever else and i'm not entirely convinced that the uh the gpu in this thing is is up to the task of even doing like 
Xbox One PS4 quality. Oh, graphics. I don't think it did. I can't yeah. imagine it did. I mean, you saw it's... the demos. They were cool demos, but like the graphics did not look as good as a uh, current generation console game. Yeah. So, no, I, I mean, just just for that fact. A... I still think it's probably more of a casual gaming platform than than a hardcore well, console gaming platform. Well, it's a better chip than what's in the iPad Air One, right? Because it's an A8. And so, you know that... well, the iPad Air One is different because it was an A7X. Okay. I would compare it to like what's what's in a like an iPhone six or a six plus. Yeah, and it'll be pushing about the same amount of pixels. So mm-hmm. there were some pretty good games that you could run on a iPhone six or six plus. Yeah, they um, all did kind of tricks though. Like if you think of like the Infinity Blade type games that look super awesome they had you know high poly count characters and stuff like that that's because they had the background and they had two characters on well actually one character on the screen and then you were kind of just like swiping yeah yeah so like like even if you look at the whatever that popular moba is the vainglory i mean that that game looks cool the art the art is really good but like the the count of poly the poly count is not super high i mean it looks looks like a older generation like pc or console game and your ipad will get warm when you play that game yeah well that's one thing they don't have to worry about as much anymore because there's there's not it's not in someone's pocket there's not as much (laughs) bad that can happen if it overheats my my xbox actually no my ps4 there may be something wrong with it, but it, it goes kind of crazy uh, if if you play a game and you have it locked in the like in a cabinet for t- for too long. I've had to like <laughs> leave the door open when I play those, but yeah. it certainly can't be worse on like power consumption than something like that. It has those like a all, spinning disc and all that good stuff. Yeah. Those are all running Intel chips. You know, they're always power hungry and hot. Yeah, so it's going to be way better than that. So. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think there'll be some decent games, but if it's a gigabyte of RAM, yeah, they'll they'll be constrained that way. Yeah, I think a like a a Wii U is probably a closer comparison to what you you could expect, probably with not the same amount of effort because there's not as much kind of guaranteed return on games that people are going to buy. Right. So we'll probably see the big game shops that already have titles ported over we'll see some of the popular games obviously things like minecraft pocket edition i don't know if we'd see clash of clans i don't know if the interface really works for a game like clash of clans i don't know if you've Plants got that versus zombies, maybe maybe the, i don't the know gar- if that would the, work either the garden one whatever that first person How shooter about, one is well if you use a game that, controller that could work yeah, yeah. but depending on maybe that remote is decent enough for that kind of thing. No. <laughs> not 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 for like a first person shooter style game. Yeah. You just don't like with something like Clash of Clans, you've got precision where you're touching and you can touch fast and move fast. And that's gonna be difficult to do with with the the remote where you can't really see where you're touching. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I will say that I'm happy that there is a app store for the Apple TV. I think that was something that 
kept the the watch outs from really being a breakout success because there's not mm-hmm. an easy way to monetize a watch app independent of an existing iOS app. So if you're an app developer trying to find motivation to build an app for the watch, it's it's kind of difficult to figure out how to recoup your investment. So you know, you kind of minimize what you do there. With the Apple TV, it sounds like you can have a dedicated app that you can sell as a separate product. Did James Grody come to the meetup today? Yeah, he yeah, was there. there. Okay. I bet he's thinking electron shock on the Apple TV. There's people who are asking him about it. I'm not sure if it's the highest thing on his radar right now. Um, just I talked to him for a little bit today, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I, it's probably not the highest thing on on A Star Software's radar either. Because uh, there's Argo, probably it's next gold mine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, relatively speaking, I mean, this is the best opportunity we've had for a while to really stand out and be kind of first to market. So well, since the spring, yeah, there's there's definitely going to be some pretty um pretty big shops that are that had a head start bringing their products to the Apple TV and and if you're if you're starting from scratch you're you're probably going to have an un- underwhelming offer compared to somebody who has like Crossy Roads who has a, a game that's already popular and it doesn't take a whole lot to deport it to the Apple TV but although it's UI kit based so i mean you may you may already have the if you have a game controller game or some some game that was kind of already geared at simple local multiplayer it may not be that far off to yeah to make it work I, good on apple tv <laughs> multiplayer yeah, flappy my, bird here we come yeah and my point is that that's already on the fire tv I've that got you that. have a little bit of, <laughs> of an opportunity to be early to market but it's probably not going to be hard for people with existing apps to move it over to that platform as well as long as there's reasonable motivation to do so. Yeah, I wouldn't be burning the midnight oil for weeks on end to try to get something out for when the TV shit. Yeah. Well, you're going to be bumping up to all the big the big developer shops with their marketing pushes for holiday sales. Yeah. And yeah, that that game market is already pretty competitive, so not to say you can't do it. You know, Crossy yeah. Roads, Flappy Birds, there's examples out there of little shops that you know, with not really, probably not that much effort, relatively speaking, have done quite well. Although I want to see what David Smith does, because it seems like his his bag of trips, but it seems like he's he kind of did everything he could on the Apple Watch. So we'll have to see what happens yeah. with, with with him and the Apple TV. Yeah, I think compared to the Apple Watch, there's probably better return for the Apple TV because you can monetize it as a separate product. Yeah, definitely so. Also thinking about what makes sense as as an app for the Apple TV. Not every app makes sense on that platform. Well, I think they kind of said, or at least in their demos, when they showed the guilt people, they kind of said, hey, this is definitely open open to non-media producing entities. Yeah, This is not just for streaming MLB or Netflix. You can do real stuff with this. Although one interesting thing I, that that we were looking at earlier is it looks like there's kind of 
UI kit, and then there's this other thing that you can do to build apps that's like this XML markup thing that uh, that looks like it's kind of geared more towards those media apps. So yeah. one feature that I was really stoked about was the universal search, and I think there are some rumor sites that were talking about this before the event, but I know Netflix uh, has, like written all these cease and desist letters to people who try to like uh, catalog their content so you can search and see, all right, is this on Hulu? Is this on Netflix? Is this on, on whatever? And they were included in that. So I, I wonder if they made it so that if you want to build a media app, you got to use this thing. And if you use that thing, that means, oh, hey, we can search for for all your content. We'll have to, we'll have to see. Yeah, so hmm. in a way, there's two different developer kits for the Apple TV, there's this client-server approach, presumably for these media apps that they call TVML, which is HTML and JavaScript and XML HTTP requests. So I could even see Gilt being built on that based on what yeah. we saw. Yeah. I mean, if you're just pulling content from the web and displaying it on the screen, you know, that arguably is an easier way of doing it and probably what Hulu, Netflix and, and those guys are doing and have been doing for a while. That kind of sounds but, like the Roku model of developing what they would call apps. And you have a very thin scripting language and an interface language. There's no real power to it. Although this is JavaScript, so you're going to have some capabilities. But to me, it just sounded like Roku apps basically just you know, give you a nice little quick interface and then it hands you off to a streaming media server somewhere. And I imagine that's what this is geared toward. Yeah, I've got a feeling it's it's pretty similar to what the, you know, existing, like the second and third gen Apple TV use for their, their apps too. That's how it works because there's this, uh, if you use Plex, it's like a media server app. They They make this, this thing called Plex, well, someone else makes a thing called Plus Connect, and how it works is you basically go into your second or third gen Apple TV, and you change your DNS to go through them, and if they, and you basically can take over an app that you don't use, like the Wall Street Journal app or the Trailers app, <laughs> and it basically like proxies all your requests uh, onto like some local Python server because you change your DNS to point at it and just serves up XML uh, that that basically makes makes a completely different app. So I, I've got a feeling that's what they're using before, and I haven't used Roku that much, but I, I felt like the, the even the old Apple TV interface was much better than, than Roku oh, uh, yeah. apps. I mean, Roku is okay. It gets the job done. And the price is pretty cheap. Yeah. And I was at one point at least a little bit interested in looking into how to develop for it until I found out how limited their SDK was. I mean, I think it's still somewhat limited, but it performs a lot better than than something like Oroku or, or even some of the, the Android-based boxes. Yeah, and the great thing is now you have the option... You, know, you can do the TVML if that suits your needs, or you can do the the more na native app built on UIKit. So that's 
it's quite handy and there may even be a way to mix and match that you know we're still kind of digging into the developer guide and and i'm sure more details will come and with the apple tv this is the first time as far as i know that they've done this but you can now request to get early access to the apple tv hardware for development get it before it ships to the public it's it's a raffle based opportunity so if you haven't registered yet you know register now if you want to start developing for the apple tv but you know in the past we've always had to develop for this new hardware without the hardware so this will be yeah it's potentially a, a good step forward to having making sure you have quality apps before it hits millions of people the the apple tv is definitely the the product from this event that I'm the most excited about uh, potentially developing for. Um, so yeah, I've definitely put put my name in in the in the ring for the for the Apple TV lottery. And it looks like you're limited uh, one per development one. account is what I've what I've seen so far. Yeah, one for per team. A uh, one per team, you think? I think yeah. that's what it says yeah. when you when you at, when you throw your name in there. Yeah. Okay. Um, Although you mentioned this was the first time they've done this, Alex, and this is going back a little bit, but I do remember they had a like special developer uh, Intel Mac a while ago hmm. that was in like some plastic uh, box, and it cost like a thousand bucks. But this was like people were still like, "Whoa, it's got like a Pentium three or four or something like this," and you can put ram in it this is insane <laughs> like <laughs> well, normal was, pc ram wasn't it basically just an off-the-shelf laptop or box in the way yeah i mean it, it was but they, they have done something like this before i've, I've got to imagine that they're only doing this because they wanted to give this to us you know in june but they had to wait until now for whatever reason i'm not sure what yeah. it was well they did with the apple watch they did have lab time before the the product ship that you could go to their lab mm -hmm. and work with the watch app or at least a lot of developers were invited to do so uh, probably a lot more than than we would typically see yeah and i know a few of us got that invite but that's like that's a pretty big expense for a little shop to fly out to san francisco or to cupertino you know, stay in a hotel for a few days and everything's kind of under lock and key um, you have to be ex escorted through the building. You can only bring one device in, you know, all these rules. So it, it can be kind of difficult for the average developer to to really test with. So the fact that they'll ship it to your house and let you start working with it is pretty good. Well, and this is a lot cheaper of a device for them to make, too. That may help, yeah. help it out. I mean, these are year-old processors, and they just throw them in a box and slap some ports on there. I know it's probably a lot more complicated <laughs> than that, but... No, probably yeah. not. <laughs> well, I'm kind of curious what the delay was. I mean, why why has it taken them so long? I mean, you know, we kind of suspect they've been working on this for years. You know, why? You know, is it the hardware wasn't ready for it? You know, just the kind of things they wanted to do wasn't fast enough. Siri wasn't smart enough. Or, or the you know, we used to think that it was they were trying to get content deals, but clearly that wasn't, you know, they shipped without content. 
Well, I could still see them like thinking they had the content in line for June, and then they something fell through, you know, the last minute. Um, I mean, the other thing could be just the software. I mean, this is a fairly significant software undertaking, I'd imagine, and maybe that really just wasn't ready for us. I've seen some of the rumors kind of say something along those lines. Maybe they weren't ready to to give it to us to to mess around with in June. Well, it still could have been that they were trying to get the content deals lined up and they still didn't get them lined up, but they didn't want to miss the big Christmas season coming up. Right. And, you know, some analysts kind of think, or at least one in particular, had a decent article about it and, you know, dominating the living room, making, you know, opening it up to third-party apps and making it the dominant living room device that is going to force the hand of the people of the content providers to support that platform and to sign up with Apple just so they are in every living room, especially, you know, younger and younger generations that don't have traditional cable TV, grow up watching YouTube instead of, you know, the Disney channel, you know, this, if they can dominate the living room, then the, the content providers will come to them. Don't know if that'll work or not, but you know that was one analyst's opinion. I it, I definitely see the possibility there. I mean, I mean, my son, he had to fill out this thing for kindergarten that said, "What is your favorite TV show?" And he didn't even list a TV show. He's like, "Oh, I watch this videos about Minecraft essentially on YouTube." <laughs> right. That was his favorite yeah. TV channel. What and is it's YouTube like, channel? huh? Yeah, this is not. This is a different world for, for kids these oh, yeah. days. So. Yeah, every parent I talk to, their kids spend most of their time watching YouTube videos. Typically, it's people playing video games like Minecraft. Yep. And and, <laughs> and these YouTubers are doing quite well. They even have action figures in the <laughs> toy store for the YouTubers. I'm not kidding. There's a whole line of uh, action figures. Do they all and, have uh, soft middle sections? I You know, I... Not all of them, <laughs> but uh, you know, they. You know, one in particular has even been featured on a Disney TV show. Is his character from from YouTube is it has a guest appearance on the Disney Channel? That's so a weird it's, crossover. It's a it's a weird phenomenon, and and you know these content providers have got to realize that that's the next generation that they that doesn't even know about these channels that about traditional tv yeah well and think about espn and the mlb demo today that's that's a pretty good shot against the the bow across the bow of espn and they're yeah. already hurting oh espn's gonna have their own app i'm sure i'm sure they already have one in development and will be there and i'm sure it'll be popular but you know the MLB and and they also mentioned NHL. They own the content, so this gives them a chance to control it. Right, they're going to present the content in the way that they want it presented. Yeah, I was I was really hoping that the that content deal they were holding out for when when the, the rumors were going on, you know, even last year about this was the NFL deal uh, for. Sunday ticket, but I think DirecTV nabbed that up for billions of dollars again, maybe <laughs> last year. 
Uh, but that that would have been a way to sell some Apple TVs, let me tell you. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but I'm sure there's lots of people who, who do. <laughs> it's that it's that ball that the game they play with the ball. It's kind of oblong. Pigskin, yeah. Yeah. Apple TV definitely was the the highlight of the the show. Um, yeah, the iPhone six success and success plus. I don't. The only thing with the success and success plus that I think is interesting is the three D touch. You know, and and that's probably something that developers are gonna. You know, it's another class of gestures. And beyond that, I I don't know if there's much to get excited about the success. I did like the uh, 3D touch on the home screen on the apps themselves. Because I I could see immediately already things like, hey, bring up my pass or, yeah, here's a camera app and it's already going to go straight into the camera and do such selfie, and such selfie mode hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and now you can add those features to your own app and that, yeah. that's kind of cool and you know there's different now there's these different types of gestures and you know i think adobe actually did a pretty good job of showing off what you can do with custom gestures that you know i haven't seen too many apps really take advantage of you know they were able to do some pretty advanced things in their documents just by using gestures. You know what this reminded me of, the, especially the gestures on the home screen, reminded me of the, I think it was like the Windows 7 feature where you can like right-click on an app that's running and it gives you a list of things that you can launch into. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mac OS X has a similar thing where you can like create new windows from open apps or or whatever. They have an API that's similar, but it seemed like cool. it was new in Windows 7 a while ago. Well, if you right-click on your Xcode icon in your yeah. dock, you get a lot more options than just the standard. Yeah, you get your like recent projects, and you can open the developer tools and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The, I am disappointed. I mean, I guess there was no time for it, and I, I imagine we'll be seeing an October announcement, I hope. Because uh, I kind of wanted a force touch trackpad, you know, standalone force touch trackpad. Yeah, there's there's still time for that. I think. Yeah. I mean, we have all the Skylake processor stuff that they need to put into into computers as well. So that's that stuff will still come at some point. I think. Yeah, but will it be this year? Hmm. <laughs> I think what I read recently is that it'll probably bleed into 2016. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's much more to say about the iPhone success. I I think it's a nice minor bump in the hardware. The new Force Touch 3D touch gestures is a nice addition that'll make the experience a little bit better and make the con make the whole idea of force touch more discoverable because it's baked into so many built-in apps yeah camera was nice well yeah i'm not sure if it'll make it better it'll make it different i mean this could be like some awesome new thing that makes everything super intuitive or it could be like the double click of of pcs where (laughs) it's it's this thing that like 
your mom never understands. Do I tap? And, so or do I tell and they're like, clicks. "How come things are different when I pr- it, like the same thing doesn't always happen when I press on my app or whatever?" Yeah, yeah, I could see. I that. could see it be confusing to people and hi- maybe potentially hiding a lot of things, kind of like happens but, behind the right click menu. Uh, and traditionally, right click context menus like that are power user features, and your average user probably won't ever see it or use it. I forget about force touch on my watch all the time, so I don't. I I tried to... force touching everything for a while and then just kind of gave up. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds we'll kind see. of weird saying that too. But I I don't think I expected a whole lot from the success. You know, it's your traditional minor bump before the next redesign, and um, it's a nice phone. I'll probably get one. At least for testing, if nothing else. I think the 5 to the 5S was a really good bump. Um, you know, because you went from 32-bit to 64-bit, and you had the Touch ID coming in. 6 to 6S, it, I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. Maybe I'll get jealous of some of the other guys in the office that are on the S upgrade cycle. I don't know. My son was asking what the S stood for this year, because... Previous years, <laughs> well, previous years, there's always something like security, Siri, sensor speed. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, he, you know, I, I really couldn't think of what the S would be this year. I guess you could say it's sensors again with the uh, force touch. Well, 3D touch, sorry. Is there any difference between force touch and 3D touch, or did they just rename that because force touch? Doesn't seem well like it's marketing. This. You don't want to force it. Well, it's it seems like it has different. It seems like it's at least a little different in its kind of implementation. Like, yeah, you had the light sensor thing, like those that grid measuring the the distance and the light between the the screen yeah. and the backlight and everything yeah it seems like it's somewhat different and you have the screen under it so uh i mean the the peak in the pop that they kept talking about seems like it's a different concept than like a force touch is on your on your laptop yeah, we'll I have to see the, i don't know i want to see what happens when yeah i want to see when the like the people who got to use it what, what they have to say about yeah I, it, it seemed like there were multiple levels to it. So you press a little bit, you get one thing. You press more, you get another, maybe. So the, the depth might, or the, the amount of force might make a difference of what what it does. Hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I could see some force touch keyboards, maybe. If you had a force touch keyboard, and if it was responsive enough, maybe getting like a, a shift key if you force touch on one of them. They're probably too small for that. I don't know. What do you mean getting a shift key? Well, let's say you're in the the uh, lowercase mode in your keyboard, and you force touch on the, the A key, and you get a capital A. Yeah, kind of like some Android keyboards, you can do a long press on them, and you'll get a long, and you'll get oh, the yeah, capital I... key. Or like the accent characters or whatever. Yeah. On, 
Yeah, that that sounds cool. I have so much muscle memory built up. I think I would just <laughs> like straight up reject that. But it, it it sounds like it's a it's a way to think different potentially about using the keyboard. But I think that's all the time we have uh, for this week. So why don't you guys tell me where we can find you on Twitter? I'm at AJ Robinson. I'm at Sam Quarter. I'm at Alex Argo. As always, you can find the show notes for this and every episode at sharedinstance.com. And we'd love to hear feedback from you. you know, please leave us a rating on iTunes. Send us an email at sharedinstancepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>